Welcome everyone, this is all about Windows Phone, or Windows for Phones maybe these days, Insight Podcast 190, recording this on Wednesday the 24th of August 2016. I'm Steve Litchfield, still with a very croaky chest, but hopefully I'll make it through with my wife, Rafe Blanford. Yes, hello everybody. Uh, thank you, Steve, for soldiering on when he's not 100%. Uh, so we thought we'd do kind of a shorter holiday version of the podcast this week, about 30 minutes. But we have got quite a few stories to get through, and you've been busy with some editorials uh, this week as well, Steve. And we did promise to try and stick to the uh, weekly schedule. So this is us fulfilling that particular proclamation. Yeah, so I wonder if we can stick to the actual the show notes and not wander <laughs> off at a tangent. That's the bigger challenge. Oh, uh, let's not get carried away. <laughs> I did do an editorial, what to expect in a 2017 Surface phone. Now, we really do not have any idea um, what w- will be in such a, a mythical device. I even noted, Rafe, that uh, when back when Ewan was writing for the site three years ago, uh, in one of the editorials we did back then, he referenced a, quote, Surface phone. This was in 2013. So given that we've now been waiting three years for it, this really is developing uh, mythical proportions. But I wanted to have a go at uh, assuming that a Surface phone or Surface 1060, as I've been calling it rather cheekily, does appear along the same time frame as Redstone 2 in early 2017. I wanted to have a go at A, mocking up a photo, which I, I did semi-amateurishly, but at least it gives you an idea. Um, and also have a, have a go at the the actual specifications and the size and what I how I envisage it would look, feel and, and perform. So uh, I don't know whether you had a chance to read that, but maybe we can go through a few of the main uh, criteria, the specs. Uh, obviously an aluminium unibody in line with the other Surface devices. Um, I reckon it's going to be, would it be slightly larger than the 1520, just by a, a millimetre or two, but will have a significantly larger screen, uh, but with much smaller bezels because you'll have the virtual controls rather than the capacitive controls. Do you think my picture and my dimensions are way out of line? Well, I did wonder whether there might actually be two devices. Sort of, That seems to be what a lot of the, the flagships have done elsewhere. And so I do agree that one is likely to be a pretty large device. And I actually wonder whether 1520 is too big. I mean, you do go on to mention a six and a half inch display. I would tend to think it would be sort of a maybe a 5.5 inch and then a, a six inch, you know, two variants. If there was just going to be one, I'd expect it to be somewhere in between the two of those. But you're absolutely on the money in terms of the aluminium unibody. I think that's kind of uh, given for a, a Surface phone. Well, that's what everyone's expecting um, it's notable that as uh, Microsoft have produced the Surface uh, convertibles or the laptops, you know they've used different types of metal technology. They've given it a fancy name, but what it comes down to is sort of um, metal unibody or as unibody as is, is possible. And there's sort of been a, a quality and a finish that I think is really top drawer. And that's what people noticed about kind of the first Surface and subsequently. And then also, obviously, the Surface Book laptop as well and you know they've done some innovation around the hinges in the various surface devices i kind of wonder what the equivalent would be on the phones i mean would they put in a hinge for example it feels less necessary on a phone i mean i'm sure steve you can think back to various phones that have had uh, some form of hinge or kickstand. accessory yeah. like that yeah, yeah kickstands and they've never to me really felt sensible and actually i think the way to do it for phones is typically to to have a case if that's the the route you want to go down 
Um, but I do wonder whether there could be something else, you know, is it around curved glass, you know, similar to the uh, Samsung Edge devices? Um, is it some other kind of screen technology or some other material technology that we haven't seen in phones before? I mean, certainly Microsoft with that Surface kind of line has kind of a bit of a reputation for doing something that surprises the market or at least breaks new ground. And I would expect the Surface phone to at least attempt to do the same thing because, you know, in some ways the Surface although obviously Microsoft wants to sell as many of them, it's almost about creating, you know, the perfect Windows device, um, at least in one particular segment. And, you know, cost has tended, you know, not to be a big part of the equation. They've basically been expensive devices. And they've almost been used to demonstrate what's possible. And in, in many ways, the whole convertible market segment has been created by the surface line of tablets and we now see many more of them it was very noticeable at mwc this year the whole range of manufacturers coming out with them and i see a lot more of them kind of out in the wild as well you know the removable keyboard uh, to some description so i just wonder whether there's something around that whole positioning of surface as a a premium brand and sort of breaking new ground and kind of the archetype for what's possible with uh, windows and, and even in phones you yeah. know we say the hardware is commoditized but there's always room for something new and you know apple has done it over the years samsung's done it over the years certainly Nokia, microsoft did it with the the imaging area imaging feels like an area that's been a little bit done to death or rather you know the difference between the top end has become much smaller i, I think it's unlikely we'd see something like a 10 20 jump forward but i do wonder whether there could be something around screen around touch or just simply around materials that would be you know radically new and different but predicting that is uh, pretty difficult until it happens yeah yeah you did mention that you know breaking new ground and that's absolutely i think what microsoft would have to do if it created a surface phone and the, the break away from the lumia name and sort of reinventing windows 10 mobile under a new line of hardware they would have to they talked about creating a new category i'm sure i've heard that phrase from a microsoft bod's lips and uh, that's why i went for this slightly ambitious screen size 6.5 inches within the same form factor as the 1520 with the smaller bezels in yeah. other words it's, it's right on the limit of what a consumer would consider acceptable for, for a business person who quite often is going to be using it in landscape mode perhaps with a with a, a, a kickstand or a hinged case or with even with a keyboard um all of a sudden the 6.5 inch screen starts to get very close to a sort of small tablet and you've got a, almost like a mini laptop in your pocket with the appropriate keyboard. So that's why I wanted you to just push the boundary slightly. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective, especially when you consider Microsoft did consider a kind of a Surface Mini or whatever it was going to be called, which was a, essentially thought to be a seven-inch tablet device. And actually, could you get closer to that kind of ideal using Windows 10 Mobile? I'm especially looking forward as the the platforms and the range of uwp apps means things get closer and closer together so i think that's a a definite good point of speculation uh, it, to me it feels like they also would need to do something in kind of more standard phone range but then as you say if they're just looking to break new ground maybe actually they don't do that they you know surprise us and do yeah. something a little bit different from a purely from a personal point of view i would love to see <laughs> You know, a phone that's more like 5.5 inches, kind of more standard flagship territory, if you will. Um, but yeah, that's such a good shout. I think that's a, a definite possibility.
Of course, the, 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 the standard 2016 flagship in the smartphone market is now 5.5 to 5.7. We've got the Galaxy Note 7 okay. launched, yeah. and that is 5.7, and that's <laughs> with the capacitive buttons. So if you take away the space those buttons occupy, the Galaxy Note 7 could quite easily be six inches plus. So it's not that far off the top end of the consumer market. But uh, moving on, uh, a few other specs which I think are probably g- given uh, and fairly sensible. Snapdragon 830 or current equivalent as they have it in 2017, 8GB RAM. We've seen in the HP Elite X3 with four gigabytes of RAM and it, it, with ambitious continuum projects and you know virtualized workspaces all that sort of stuff um, I can see even four gigabyte might be slightly limiting in the Android world we've seen uh, the first smartphones have come out with six gigabytes of RAM so why not go the whole hog and go for eight gig here for the Surface 1060 or whatever you want to call it um, I think if Microsoft really is going to go all in on a new category of device a device that can be used as your main almost your main mobile computer computer and you dock it with various uh, uh, docks wireless adapters large displays you take over and nearby laptops all the sort of stuff the more ram the better and i can see no reason if they're going to start charging i don't know 700 pounds for this thing why they didn't shouldn't just add an extra 50 quid on top and put in the full 8 gig yeah that's right i mean obviously the process and the ram somewhat linked together what's standard for the hardware family and i think a lot of you know what will be considered standard will depend on the exact timeline that this is coming out but i mean yes you're right to identify this sort of next generation snapdragon as the likely candidate and that's going to be a pretty powerful um you know heartbeat to put in a device like this um you know that's really fairly easy to predict Things like the internal uh, storage options. It's interesting. I noticed you said no micro SD card. I, I think if you do that, yes, you definitely have to go for some of the uh, bigger capacities. Yeah. And we haven't seen that many uh, devices in the Windows 10 mobile world that have this kind of SKUs with variation on how much storage capacity you get. But obviously, it's something that's a lot more common in the iPhone world. So I think that's a, another good chat. And actually, yes, it makes sense for it to be plenty of space, even allowing for the fact that you can store lots of things in the cloud up on one drive. I think the more interesting bit of speculation is perhaps around the camera. So, uh, I mean, why did you <laughs> say 20 megapixel here? I mean, what was your thinking? Well, the thinking is that an awful lot of the imaging specialists at Microsoft have now been made redundant <laughs> for various reasons. <laughs> I honestly think, though, that you are in his team um they kind of nailed it really the 950 950 xl are, are right on the limit of what's possible with the, that that sensor size and with the ois mechanism that size with the image processing the the only real uh, limitation on the the 950 950 xl cameras um are the the processing delays so for example you take a photograph with rich capture like in dynamic flash or hdr or whatever um and you've got to wait or even on the 950 xl te- almost 10 seconds sometimes while it processes the various multiple images and combines them now that's if you want to go straight back to a shot you've just taken and, and admire it or check it that's a long delay but if you've got a snapdragon 830 with the appropriate adreno gpu which is presumably three four to five times faster than the current chipsets all of a sudden that 10 second delay comes down to about two seconds and then you're in the ball game because you you, you, you snap a photograph think right I want to review it. And by the time you've done that and tapped on the icon, it's more or less finished processing. So I, I honestly think with a faster GPU and a faster processor behind it, the, the same physical camera unit, the same res- resolution, the same everything, the same physically the same module could be used to better effect in next year's phone without needing any extra engineering or R&D whatsoever. 
Okay, that's interesting. That's one area where they can perhaps rest on their laurels. Interesting. I suspect their competition won't be doing the same, and there's always new bits of <laughs> hardware to come in. I mean, like, but like you said, I, I do feel with current tech, we are quite near the limits. Um, I suspect we will see new sensor technology come in at, at some point, but uh, that's also highly speculative. Um, I think you're right about the front-facing camera. That's just going to be off the shelf, one of the standard 8-megapixel units. The audio is an interesting one because this has been an area of weakness, arguably, uh, certainly for the Lumia 950, and we've seen devices like the HTC 10, for example, come out and be very strong, or indeed the very specialist device that you have, which uh, I think is a <laughs> London device. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's definitely an area for improvement. And it's notable that uh, in other Surface devices, Microsoft has attempted to push the audio or at least make it better than you'd expect for the category of device. Yeah, yeah. And of course, HP went for the Bang & Olufsen um, oh. stereo speakers on the Elite X3, which uh, I, I think when we had hands-on with the X3, I didn't really give it the best video to, to, to compare the various different phones. I wish I had that chance again. Uh, as it happens, I think we are going to try and get an X3 in the next couple of days. I, I do have a source, Rafe. More on, I'll leave that as a tease, but more on that <laughs> shortly. But uh, yeah, I, the, the HP Elite X3 speakers are pretty decent um, and pretty loud and decent quality. If Microsoft can match that in any way in whatever this Surface phone is going to be called, then then I think that it will have done the job. It, it doesn't need to be play massively high fidelity, high volume sound. This is going to be a productivity and business phone, but everyone's got to have a bit of play and, and not just all, all work, Rafe. Yeah, that, that's right. And, you know, it's an area that makes sense. I mean, audio, I think, is one of the areas where you can differentiate on smartphone hardware. Um, you also mentioned biometrics in the article. Yes, that seems sensible. We've seen uh, Microsoft put uh, fingerprint recognition on some of the Surface keyboards. Just in general terms, my observation has been that uh, fingerprint is more reliable than kind of iris recognition. Um, so I, I would hope that that comes in. Uh, yes, it's going to be a high-capacity battery. Yes, it's going to run on Windows 10 Mobile Redstone 2. Um, some big software updates there emerging. The one I think is absolutely spot on, especially given the Surface family, is the clip-on keyboard case. And actually, you know, I expect it to be one of the best keyboard clip-on cases, which is kind of, um, yeah, of course you're going to say that, but actually it's where Surface kind of made a name for itself. Um, will it be via bluetooth or will it be via some other direct connection i would go for bluetooth because i think it gives you the option to split it off from the phone itself and use it completely wireless the yes there's going to be um the continuum dock and it'll be interesting to see whether any other accessories whether they can think a bit more about continuing what you might be able to do there and i think that would be a good bet for surface and perhaps even some sort of intelligent bundling of a surface phone with a, a, a surface laptop or tablet device and that starts to get uh, very interesting and and your last one it's kind of a, a steal i guess from the uh, hp and the Elite x3 with the virtualized corporate workspace yeah I mean, microsoft is absolutely capable of doing that themselves um, and if they're going to push it to the enterprise market it, it feels to me like that's a, an absolutely essential thing to have yeah, absolutely. And for all the people saying, well, the Surface phone's got to run on an Intel chipset and run Win32 applications. No, it doesn't. That's not going to happen. I can, I'm 99% <laughs> confident. The, 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 uh, Microsoft is going to stick to the Snapdragon and the ARM chipsets for the foreseeable future for its mobile, mobile devices. Uh, but 
the whole point about Win32 applications, they need a large screen to work. They, you've got an interface with, with controls that are optimized for a 20-inch display, for example. Um, you know, co corporate applications, consumer applications, there's no point whatsoever in letting these run natively on the phone. The only way they, these make sense are within a continuum environment through some kind of virtualization. So uh, or for all, everything you read about Intel chipsets and the service phone, Rafe, just ignore them. They're, it's complete rubbish. It'll, go, it'll be virtual. <laughs> the future's virtual. I, I think it's always uh, a possibility, but I agree, given the kind of the weight around ARM in the mobile space, it seems unlikely to me that you'll, you'll go to Intel uh, and the x86 architecture, especially when the virtualization technology allows you to kind of get probably a lot of the way there. Um, maybe it won't keep power users happy, but you know, for the enterprise users, if they know they can get these applications you know that's going to be enough i mean i think the interesting thing to consider is if it did end up as one of these big six and a half inch displays would that virtualization be enabled on the phone itself not just in continuum mode um you know it's something kind of wondered about hp but you know they obviously customized it for continuum mode which you know makes sense <laughs> with the, the bigger screen but there's just some interesting possibilities around that I, I suspect that Microsoft, you know, with Surface, it's, it's been more about hardware than it has about software. I mean, the software that has been custom on it has been more about making good use of the hardware. Um, there were some great comments on this story. I mean, uh, the rumors around uh, there being a, a Surface Pen, that's interesting. You know, obviously, especially if you look at it in the light of the uh, Samsung Galaxy Note line of devices. To me, that feels less likely, but... Um, you know, uh, this is, as we said at the beginning, very speculative. Uh, and there's some interesting stuff um, around, you know, how else applications could be handled and what else they might do to kind of uh, promote the UWP stuff, up, you know, more into people's minds. Because actually, I think one of the most interesting things about um, the Surface phone is just how much effort and you know input are Microsoft going to put behind this? Are they going to really push it or is it a way of kind of signaling their intent, you know, is it likely to become a billion-plus-dollar business like the Surface tablets? Uh, it's it's more difficult to see. You know, they've certainly made a lot of decisions that have been cutting phone and cutting mobile uh, in the past year, and so you know, a lot of people are seeing this as a kind of a new genesis for microsoft in mobile i think maybe we probably have to be a little bit more realistic about that and it's not necessarily going to be uh, positioned as a mass market consumer device it's going to be uh, positioned as something that shows off what windows 10 mobile and windows is capable of especially when you think about the kind of the broader reaching vision for windows you know being able to use it across multiple devices everything synced everything just working consistently and seamlessly across devices and to me that's what it's going to be be, be more about and so that, as I say, that positioning is almost the thing that's going to be most interesting to me because I think a lot of the hardware, you can make a pretty good good guess at what it's going to look like, quite how much investment Microsoft put behind it, you know, how they put it into retail channels. That's kind of going to be a, an interesting thing uh, you know, when it does get announced. We are, of course, making the assumption that Microsoft is going to announce something, is going to continue to make investments here. Because I guess the other option is, you know, they might get a bit nearer the launch and just say, mm, it's, it's not going to go anywhere. Are we going to cut it? Um, we've said before, we think it's very unlikely that Microsoft um, abandon Windows 10 Mobile altogether. And I think, you know, the Surface phone, so that they are producing at least one Windows 10 mobile device, which is seen as a flagship, which is seen as kind of a herald for what's possible, is an absolutely essential part of that strategy. But I guess we should just acknowledge that there, there are uh, maybe more unhappy paths that could be followed. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, having said this, is going to be a half an hour holiday special. We're now at nineteen minutes. We've covered topic one of about ten. So, Oops. Uh, let, let's just crack on rather more quickly with the rest. Um, now, do you use the new Facebook um, first-party Universal Windows platform app, Rafe? Yes or no? No, I don't because I tend to use it in the browser. Well, that's a jolly good shout because that's what most people who are sensible do. However, however, <laughs> I did a whole sort of rant, really, in, in, a, in one of the flow stories saying Facebook's new UWP app is a downgrade from the previous one. And some people really like it because it includes some of the newer Facebook features, which I don't use at all. But there we are. Um, but it's much, much slower. Um, the, the old Facebook app written by Microsoft, you'd, you'd boot that up on, a say, a Lumia 950 um, and it would launch in about a second or two. That's fine. The new one takes up to 15 seconds i think that's my the Ooh. longest and it's at, it's at least t- 10 usually and up, often up to 15 seconds just staring at a facebook logo w- while the application launches there is no excuse for that absolutely no excuse it's also um 110 megabytes now the reason for this is of course that they they haven't written some native native code to create this uwp it's basically the the iphone version passed through this os meta framework which i know nothing about and maybe you you can fill in some of the details but basically they've they've passed it through a very unoptimized um converter and you've ended up with a horrifically horrifically inefficient application that's just so slow as it's to be unusable yeah that's a real shame and uh, as i say you know using it in the browser especially the edge it works very well so it's kind of one of those times, I guess, when web wins over app. Yeah, well, we, no, we dealt with that one quickly anyway. That was just a rant from me. So uh, if you agree with me or disagree with me, then go and add your comments to the story. Lots of people have already. Um, can Camera panorama mode, which I've been playing with and being very impressed by over the last month or so, being on the uh, Fastering Insiders program, that's now available to everybody on the anniversary update. So if your Lumia or other Windows phone has got this uh, Redstone update, then if you look in the store, you should find an update for camera and you've got a new mode. You've got, in addition to still and video, you've also got panorama. And it works just like on the iPhone, Rave. You know, you, you hold the phone up, either landscape or portrait, and literally just smoothly swing it around tap finish and it stitches everything together beautifully it's very fast very efficient so that's a real credit to the uh, camera team over at microsoft uh, and i uh, saying grumpy old man mode it's about time too because this has been kind of <laughs> a fairly standard affair on other smartphones you know for, back when the panorama stuff was first being introduced by nokia it was kind of quite uh, it was leading i guess but then um, apple really nailed this kind of panorama mode, which i'll describe as kind of the you know the swipe around you as you kind of follow this lead and particularly when you hold it um your phone in vertical mode you actually get a pretty big panorama and it can work very effectively but i will say it's been implemented very well i've been using this on the the 950 xl and it's great to see that it's available on more devices because it does seem to be one of those camera modes that a lot of people use you know in contrast to some of the more esoteric things um you know who doesn't love a great panorama landscape shot yeah absolutely especially if you're up in the wilds of wales Absolutely. <laughs> on, the, on the subject, the Wells of Wales, just j- jump ahead to uh, in the show notes. Um, North is a new utility that's come out for, as a universal Windows platform application. It's a dedicated Compass app. And you think, well, you're on your own. seen Compass apps before. But this one has a complete magnetic model of the, the Earth's field. And it, it bases what you should be seeing based on your position as d- detailed by G- uh, GPS and Wi-Fi. 
So it looks at what you should be seeing, compares that to what you are seeing, and then corrects to, to tell whether you're in the fit presence of a, a distorting magnetic object like a filing cabinet or a magnet or something else distracting. Um, and it handles all of this, and it corrects for errors, it's beautifully responsive, beautifully smooth, and it's completely and utterly free. So if you haven't already, Rafe, uh, I'd just download this and use it on your next hiking trip. I'm going to absolutely download this. I hadn't seen this, although I did read the review and think mm, that looks great. I also like the fact that it's kind of got the AR mode over it. So you can actually kind of line things up. You can hold the phone in vertical mode and it's clever enough to use the right kind of uh, Z, Y axes, yeah. or Z, X axis rather, um, in order to sort of give you the right bearing. And of course, when you're using a compass, a lot of the time you will then make a reference in the landscape, you know, be it a mountain or a tree, which you'll then use to follow, because that's usually accurate enough, especially when you're hiking. But I love the idea that it will actually take into account where I am, because of course, any geography geek will know that has an impact. And also having things like the, the distortions, which which do happen um, if you go and hold it over a railway line. Not that you should do that, obviously. <laughs> um but it can also be down to uh, some of the local geology as well. Or if uh, someone's very unfortunately put a magnet, a fridge magnet in your backpack or something like that. Uh, but yeah, this is a, a great little review. And actually, I was just um, looking at the screenshots. I was just impressed by there's clearly a lot of thought has gone into how it's implementing, having the location. Um, it gives you a lot of information. So yeah, I mean, Compass apps are one of those things on smartphones where people sort of get slightly snippy about it. But it's very impressive to see something so comprehensive. Yeah, the AR mode isn't quite AR. It doesn't actually use the camera, so that's just an arty background it's used. But it does work absolutely in vertical mode. As you say, it sort of transposes the axes. Ah, and okay. so, so in that sense, it works right. I, I do suspect, I mean, this is obviously under active development, and several of the panels bottom right where you, the controls are, some of them come up with, uh, this space intentionally blank. Did he use it in, in a future update or words to that effect? So there's ah, okay. clearly new features coming, and an obvious one would be to boot up the camera so you had a live camera view behind the compass rose if you like so yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on again skype preview another application that we've been enjoying on the fast string is now available again for everybody on the anniversary update i think the sc calling it skype preview is a tiny bit misleading yes they're trying to get across the fact that the code isn't quite finished and bug free yet or op even optimized yet but basically if this is the skype application for windows 10 anniversary update so i think they should just have the courage of their convictions and just call it skype but it's uh, it's good to see it now available for all rafe yeah, it's good. I mean, Skype is going to be one of those applications that if you're in the Microsoft ecosystem is pretty much essential. And I think for a lot of people in the working world, it's how they do collaboration uh, with remote offices. I mean, there are other options out there, but um, uh, Skype seems to be one of those near universal things. Um, and so being able to access that on your phone is is pretty critical. I do like the fact that it also gives access to obviously Skype chat, which is where Microsoft has been doing some of its exploration around bots and things like that. So it allows you to live on the cutting edge. And But I think you're right about the preview labeling. This is just hedging their bets uh, slightly. Uh, but it's good that it's actually available to all now, given that Skype has a, a little bit of a mixed history, shall we say, on Windows Phone. Um, and Windows 10 Mobile is now getting a version that, uh, the performance could definitely be improved, but it does feel like it's it, it has all the key features in place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, the first Redstone 2 Insiders build has now appeared of Windows 10 Mobile. So my Lumia 950 Rafe, uh, with one of my main oh. sims in, is now running the uh, branch 
14905 point dot 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 so they're the very first bill for redstone 2 which won't come into production um production status until well into 2017 but uh there's actually nothing nothing really new there's a couple of under the hood bug fixes over the anniversary update but i think they're basically fiddling with the one cause they call it the, the kernel and all the right. that all the, the the integral that it's not middleware it's below middleware but the basically the code that's absolutely common to all the different variants of windows 10 across all the different form factors so they're they've basically replaced that with a new version of that and then the, the latest new functions and features will come on in the intervening months so hopefully there'll be plenty more to report on with redstone 2 up until christmas yeah and it's impressive in one sense that that core can be replaced and uh, sort of touch wood everything continue to work without any <laughs> major problems um, i haven't seen kind of the the reports of every, any really big issues there are the usual known issues and the the bug fixes um, i think in this uh, case it's moving apps from the sd card to internal storage um, as you say there's going to be more to come but i think this is also a case of you know now that they've uh, had the release of redstone actually sort of kicking off the next branch and continuing the insiders program it's a good thing to do because for those who have been on the insiders program and like contributing feedback like living on the bleeding edge you know there hasn't been too much of a gap i have to admit i think for the time being i'm going to stick with my main device on on redstone um i suspect steve will have a device on on redstone too fairly permanently and will be able to tell me if anything know merits me switching over uh, but it goes back to the beginning of the cycle we were talking about but you know actually getting on the very early version of the insider program can not always be the uh, benefit you think it will be in terms of yes you get early access but they do tend to be more unstable actually it's so early that we haven't got to that stage uh, yet but uh, good to see it, it continue to happen and uh, as you commented in, a, in another story really microsoft has absolutely led the way on this early access to to software and to kind of doing this alpha or beta testing with kind of what's an open group of users yeah um and you know we are seeing some of especially android following suit and even uh, apple to an extent are sort of going this way as well um that coupled with this idea that the apps get decoupled from the platform itself that's become much more common and, and microsoft really don't get the credit they deserve for that you know they've actually been you know thinking ahead in that and uh, you know i'm very impressed by that yeah absolutely I, I did notice that there was some news a new sound set that microsoft calls Ooh. it which basically means they've got some new system sounds for redstone 2 which is whoopity do um <laughs> they sound nice but let's have some real features and some real bug fixes thank you very much in the future builds um <laughs> I want to finish off, Rafe, with a lighter item, all about Mr. Rafe Blanford. Do you oh, want to? No. Uh, do you want to just plug your latest three six one podcast? Because I think okay. I, most people really enjoyed it. Okay, so this is the three six one podcast, which caused me almost as much as embarrassment as the uh, massage podcast. If you haven't listened to that, please don't. Um, but <laughs> actually, uh, this one we've been doing this season on the three six one podcast origin stories for the three hosts. So we've uh, done one for you and McLeod. We did one this week for for myself, and actually Ben Smith is going to get his uh, day in the spotlight very shortly. And what we talked about was kind of a bit about childhood and where we'd grown up and some of our formative moments, but more of it was about kind of our tech experiences and what we'd done um, at school, some of the, the stories that, you know, always come out when you get to chat a little bit. And then obviously this included the the founding and the early days of All About Symbian and some of the access to Nokia executives. Because actually, you know, back when the, the site was first formed, blogging hadn't really gone mainstream. In fact, it hadn't really been invented as a, as a thing at that point in time. Um, and 
you know, all about Symbian. It's old, but it's not nearly as old as uh, SteveLitchfield.com and 3Lib, which goes back <laughs> to the early days of Sign. And actually, I can say on, on this podcast what Steve was doing on 3Lib, and which is now SteveLitchfield.com effectively, uh, was definitely an early inspiration for the All About sites. Uh, and I can remember contacting Steve very, very early on and sort of contributing the odd article, I think, to his site. And then we sort of got to know each other and then obviously collaborated a lot on All About Symbian. But that podcast actually tells a bit of the story of some of the early years. Um, if anyone's got any questions or they want to hear some more anecdotes, maybe that's something we can do in a future podcast. I am aware that um, the Windows phone side of things got a bit short changed because I think actually the most interest was in the older stories in the early years but actually there's some good stuff around windows phone as well and not just the fact that uh when nokia announced that they were switching to windows phone i got the first question in the press conference and had uh steve Bourne laugh at me that story is told on the 361 podcast you can listen to it there but actually subsequently had a lot of fun times uh covering windows phone going to various events both microsoft and nokia and indeed other manufacturers as well but perhaps we'll touch on that in the future but yes please go and listen to the 361 podcast. We describe it as being about mobile tech and everything around it. So it's a much more generic topic than we we do here on All About Windows Phone Insight. Um, and it goes really beyond mobile as well. And we kind of position it as the idea that it's, you know, three friends having a chat about the topics that interest them, and we happen to be recording it. Now, actually, we do spend a bit more time trying to make sure we get interesting topics and some interesting talking points. But a lot of it is very freeform. And hopefully that comes across. It's also, uh, there seems to be a fair amount of Mickey taking out of uh, of me. Um, don't know quite how I managed to take on that role. But Ewan has his own caricature, as indeed Ben as well. So um, we're very grateful to everyone that listened to that. As indeed, I'm very grateful to everyone that listens to the All About Windows Phone Insight podcast. And we love getting your comments and questions about it. And I'm very appreciative of some of the kind comments I got, both on the story on the site about this most recent 361 podcast and via email and social media. It made, made me blush a great deal. So thank you very much <laughs> to all of those who, who who have said kind things either in the last week or in the last few years. It's very much appreciated. Lovely. Okay. Well, if you, yes, if you class blogging as putting up a new review or new content every single day, um, then, uh, yes, I was doing that in 1995. Wow. Um, on the, I think CompuServe had their own sort of homepages system, something like compuserve.com slash homepages slash Steve Litchfield. And I had it up in 1995 uh, and then went, moved on to the UK online servers when this this uh, UK ISP offered me free hosting space etc etc that was very kind um, but yes so from, from the last 21 years I've been blocked 21 two decades I've been doing this um, wow. I, I, my favorite anecdote is when when somebody came up to me at one of the Scion meets late 1990s and said do you know Steve your search really useful and I said oh yes you know what do you enjoy about it said, I, I use it to check what, what day it is I said sorry said, well, because because you always put up content every day I just go to your front page and the you know the last updated basically is, is today's date <laughs> which was a real compliment that, that's brilliant i think actually we should probably do an origin story for for steve because actually some of the early days of science pretty fascinating as well and of course you're also around in the early symbian days as well so perhaps we'll save that up for a podcast when we've maybe got less to talk about windows phone um if you think that's a good idea leave something in the comments or, or let us know and i can thoroughly embarrass steve over the course of about 30 minutes but just just to really emphasize how impressive that is we're talking about 21 years ago bear in mind that uh, yesterday it was kind of 
uh, web anniversary day and that's uh, 25 years so for the 21 of the 25 years that the World Wide Web's been around, Steve has been updating content about mobile devices to it. I think that's pretty amazing. Well, there we are. Now people can send kind comments to me in, in the story. <laughs> anyway, we must draw things to a close. Thanks very much to listening to this slightly shorter episode, but this, it is the holiday season and I'm still getting over a bug. In the meantime, I'll say goodbye and I'll let Rafe do the final handoff. Yeah, thanks, Steve. And thanks as ever, everybody for listening. And please tune in next time.